0: Welcome to Life in Context, a conversational podcast where we explore life and relationships in the context of Christian faith, relationship with Jesus, biblical truth, and emotionally healthy practices. I'm your host, Esther.
1: And I'm your host, Jill. We come from different backgrounds and life experiences and bring our different professional and personal skills and training to our conversations. We agree on many things and we differ on other things. That's part of what we enjoy about our conversations. We love to encourage and challenge each other and our listeners to consider new approaches, new ideas,
0: and ways to think about life within the context of our faith. It's always our hope in these podcasts to bring real-life strategies, positive ideas, and faith-building practices that can be applied to these sometimes challenging topics that we all face in life. So let's get into today's topic. Jill, I'm so excited to be back together again this week. Yes, me too. And I'm really excited about this topic. I know it's a little bit difficult for some people, but I think it's a a great and important topic. We're going to talk about the process of healing. Yes, I agree. It's important right now. There are so many things in life that can contribute to our spiritual wounding, to our emotional wounding, and we can be really hurt, right? Of course. So for many Christians, it feels like we are in it alone, like we have to somehow just figure it out and be whole and healed all the time, right?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of Christians think that they should just be able to have their healing by themselves, um, the, that reading the Bible should heal everything. Right,
0: and you use that magic word, that should word. Yes, right? <laughs> whenever you hear a should, it's a little red flag. Right, so so many people are under this burden that if they're hurting, they need to figure it out on them. On their own, right themselves, and they feel like somehow they need to just be able to search the scriptures and find just the right thing, and them in the Bible, they will figure it out and they'll get healing, and they can find themselves very stuck, right? It
1: can feel very stuck, and it can also feel shame. Those words should like I shouldn't still have this. I shouldn't be stuck because I have Jesus, and those kind of shoulds. I, I like to say there aren't any shoulds. There's just what is. So if you are stuck, you are stuck, and I believe that there are some inner wounds that really are are too traumatizing to look at by yourself. That we are called a body for a reason, and within the body there are people that can help you walk through a trauma that really wouldn't be wise to try to uh, get to by yourself.
0: Exactly. I feel like it's so important for us to start out today's show, just sharing how valuable it is to have help and support when you need it. Yeah, well, I come, let me be your Holy Spirit navigator.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we talk about this, we talk about the young places a lot. So a lot of that wounding, a lot of those stronghold places that may have been maintained throughout a lifetime, come from a young place. So you can get saved and be walking with the Lord, but still feel something generating from the inside of you that might feel like self-hatred, or that might feel like shame, that might feel like jealousy. Like some of those, those things can come on in the young places and don't necessarily just lift off the day you invite Jesus into your heart.
0: This can be very confusing for a lot of people. They don't know where to get help. They don't know how to get help. Some people assume naturally, well, I need to just go to the church and ask the pastor, you know, they know the word really well, and they will be able to help me. And many pastors feel very overwhelmed, right? Right. If they don't have the gift of counsel, if they don't have the time for counsel, maybe their gifting is in preaching or teaching or evangelism, and they feel this burden. And I think one of the valuable things that we can share with people is there are a lot of people out there who are gifted and called in a variety of areas Mm -hmm. who can be help, And sometimes we have to even enter into that pursuit and be praying and looking for those people.
1: I was actually going to say that word is a pursuit in uh, a a time of deep need. I really pursued uh, my own inner healing. I could not get there by myself. I'd been sober and saved for a really long time. And just could not understand why I was still so stuck. I went to Bible studies all the time. I was in the Word all the time. And I, I you know, Esther and I are students of the Word, lovers of the Word. But just putting a scripture, what did you call it? Like slapping a band aid? Slapping a band aid on a trauma place, a scripture band aid on a trauma place, in my experience, does not always work
0: sometimes I think of it as just duct taping over the wound. Mm -hmm. And it it doesn't always work. We need to be really precise. And we need to figure out what it is that really applies. And sometimes we need an expert, somebody Mm -hmm. with some wisdom and skill and training. And most of the people who engage in this kind of support and help, do it because they know what it's like to need that
1: help and support and have possibly navigated their own minefield so right. they can help you navigate yours they've been
0: they've been both gifted and called mm-hmm. but they, they've also been down the path right. And you know i deal with a lot of people who are stuck in intractable conflicts and they find it very frustrating and isolating and overwhelming and one of the reasons they come to me is because I can say, hey, I've crossed this bridge. Right. I can tell you which plank is, is slippery, <laughs> which one you don't want to step on that plank. And I yeah. don't know how it's going to resolve for you, but I can help you safely cross the bridge. That's so that is just so
1: good. And I think we, could, we should talk a little bit. Not that, that's not a bad should, but we should talk a little bit. What do you think keeps people from pursuing someone to help them with their inner wounds?
0: I think there's several things that contribute to it. One is that sense of shame and isolation um, that they feel like they have to do it on themselves. It's, It's super vulnerable to admit I need help and support. The other one is that lost feeling. I don't know where to get support and help. I feel like, I don't know about you, but in my experience in the body of Christ. A lot of people don't like to share that they have gotten help, that they've had problems, right? right? They present that shiny image or can be a label. A label, right? So they pretend that they've always, you know, been in this great shape and I I was at a an event once and there was a couple speaking and they were doing a marriage event and they were just communicating as if they had always had a harmonious perfect marriage never a conflict never a hiccup and you know it just felt so foreign to me i looked at them and i thought i know them i have seen them (laughs) scream at each other in the parking lot and how much more helpful would it have been if they shared they knew what it was to face together difficult things well i think i think you bring up a really great point is I, i i
1: often ask people how did you get here I, I, I just asked my, my good friend, Pastor Damaris, if she's listening right now, love you. But I just asked her, I said, so she's been in ministry a really long time. And I, I said, so if we were going to talk to a group of ladies and I asked you, how are you still this nice after 30 years of <laughs> ministry? And she, and she laughed and she just said, well, I, I, it hasn't always been this way. She said, I, she said, I've made a lot of mistakes. And I just said that right there. I just think when when leadership can be open and vulnerable about the mistakes and coming out the other side, because that's really the richness of relationship. Like when you're pursuing some healing, when you're resolving conflict, you actually develop some emotional roots. Mm-hmm. When you work through conflict, get through some emotional healing and come out the other side, you actually are strengthened by it, not weakened by it.
0: Absolutely. And you're partnering with somebody if somebody's helping you through these conflicts and these challenges, if somebody's helping you deal with your early trauma and your difficulties, you're partnering for a period of time with them usually. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to just jump on the first person that you see. And it's important that they willingly are are willing and available and able to be a part of, of your healing that they also feel like this is something that they can do, and that you're comfortable with them. I find that one of the other reasons that people will sometimes back away is they will try once, right, right, they'll talk to somebody and, and then just say, I hate counseling, it doesn't work, right? (laughs) That person didn't get me, they didn't understand, they didn't know. Well, if you're gonna, you know, go into the jungle of your past or your future, your relationships you might have to try out a couple of guys. Absolutely,
1: I tell people that all the time. You got to find the person that fits with you. And just because your best friend says they love their counselor or their therapist, doesn't mean that that's going to be a perfect fit for you. But you can kind of boil it down to, uh, you know, if you take a, an English class in college and you and you didn't like it, to say English classes in college all stink, isn't you know that's just a huge overgeneralization. So it's really important to find the person that that you feel you can do business with. Mm-hmm. You know cuz you're going to do some deep
0: stuff. Yeah. And I also tell people, you know, they're people. So when you're working with somebody, you you might have a little bit of friction sometimes. They're not angels. They don't know everything. They don't they're not always prepared. They're human. Right? So you give them a little bit of grace too. They're going to have their own process, their own way of doing it, it, it probably is not how you expect.
1: Yeah. And I also encourage people to really be engaged in their own healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, put your therapist or your counselor or your or your person you're working with, you can put their feet to the fire a little bit. Right. I ask them, well, why should I trust you mm-hmm. with this? <laughs> how long? <laughs> ask them questions. A good therapist, a good, a good counselor will be really willing to engage with you in that fashion.
0: And somebody who's really good is going to have hope and help for you to get out of your space. So one of the things I hear a lot of people say is they're very afraid. They're going to start going to somebody and they're going to have to be seeing that person the rest of their life. They think I'm going to have to have, you know, the Thursday at two appointment forever. And, and, and so they're kind of concerned to make that commitment, but somebody who's good, particularly somebody who's rooted in the word, right. They're going to work with you to grow and mature and heal so that you don't need them. doesn't, oh, doesn't mean yes. you don't like them it's as a person. So, but they're also going to expect that you're going to do some of the work. So this is one of the other things. People are looking for somebody who's going to do the work for them, right. right? If I come and I sit in your office for 50 minutes... Once a week, for six weeks, all my problems are going to be solved, right? Nope. There's a lot of
1: time in between that (laughs) hour to the next hour. And I I sometimes compare it to physical fitness. Mm -hmm. So if you go to the gym once a week for an hour and a half and then um, don't sleep, don't drink water and just eat cake all week, you can't really say the gym doesn't work.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Which is interesting because I sometimes compare what I do to physical therapy. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you've ever gone to physical therapy for an injury, I've had several injuries on my knees. And, you know, they say, okay, you got to do these squats, and you got to do this stretch, and you got to move this. And they show you how to do it. Mm -hmm. And they tell you, don't do this. Don't reposition your weight here. And but if you leave and don't practice it, don't do anything exactly. and come back, you're going to be in the same spot the next mm-hmm. week. And that's not the physical therapist's fault, mm-hmm. right? That's on me. If I don't do my exercises and use the bands and stretch and do the things I'm supposed to do, then I can't expect any progress. Exactly. I give my, I give my
1: clients relationship prayer homework, tell them all I put myself out of business, go do Go talk to Jesus yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think a really good uh, pattern is I work with people three to six months and then say, let now walk out what you got. Now Mm -hmm. walk it out. And then I call them tune-ups. Like I just did, I just did a session with my person yesterday, needed a tune-up, had some things come up and just said, I know I need somebody to help me navigate this. And she's my person. And I had a tune-up. So when there's like a a specific thing that somebody needs to work on, let's go, let's go after it for three to six months. And then you kind of, I I call it like a worked out in the walkout. Mm -hmm. You really don't know how much inner healing you've gotten until you encounter some situations and notice you're not the same in them anymore. Right. Like Yeah. So sometimes you get a lot of uh, healing and and deliverance around like, say, being, uh, being triggered by angry boss. So you're not around angry boss for a while. You go get, a, get some inner healing and some get some of your own stuff worked out. And then you go back and you find yourself around an angry boss or an angry person. And you're like, wow, I have peace. I can just see it for what it is. But you don't, it's funny. Like, it's fun. You don't really know how much, how much you've, got, you've gotten healed until you start walking out your life. And you notice, wow, I feel different here. And wow, I feel different here. It's really cool.
0: So Jill, you brought up something in this that you just recently spent some time with your person, mm-hmm. and we've shared this with our listeners before that we uh, work out what we do. We yeah. work out what we do, and and so I think this is another key for people when they're looking for help. I tell people look for somebody who has worked it out themselves. They've been down this path. Not somebody who is just academically informed right. about what it is you need. Because that's where the empathy comes from. That's where some of the wisdom comes from. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's willing to work out their own stuff. Yeah, I just think
1: that that's very very healthy. I think uh I encourage people to look for leaders who have leaders Mm -hmm. Make sure your leaders have leaders. Make sure that people around you have people around them. And that's just really a body at work. Um, One of my other favorite pastors, Pastor Angel, hello. Uh, Pastor Angel is just another really, really authentic man of God. And he shares things with with his congregation about going through some therapy. And I think when a leader is willing to talk about them going through therapy or them going through inner healing, it flows downhill. If I'm in leadership and I tell the people that I lead, I just had my own round of inner healing, then it gives them permission to be, to, to be on their own journey with it. We're not going to be done. So I am 55 years old. My person that I do work with is in her 60s. She does her own work with a lady in her 80s. And we're all continuing to do our own work as we walk out this life
0: with Jesus. It's important. It's healthy. It is. It's so healthy. And I think one of the other things that people get confused about when they're trying to figure out how am I going to get unstuck, right? I, I've had this thing, it's come up, and I'm, I'm bothered, is that people specialize in different things. And we don't have to be in competition
1: right. with each
0: other. Absolutely. And particularly not in the faith. So I specialize in some very different things than you specialize with. I have referred people I work with, to you. And I've referred people I don't work with, but who I think would do better if they worked with you. And I think that that's one of the things that we need to keep in mind. Yes. And my husband and I want to (laughs) come take some conflict (laughs) stuff from you. So we get this kind of a a nice family community when we don't feel in competition, we we don't worry. So if you have somebody that you're like this person, they're really great, and for, for helping me with marriage stuff, they might not be the same person to help you with something else. And that's okay. I do encourage people kind of let people know what's happening because right. you, you develop these relationships and, and you want to, to protect that and guard that, but it's okay to need somebody with a different set of skills for a different set of issues. 100%. Do it, We do it all the time.
1: I have you, I have a collection of most of my friends are therapists and counselors. (laughs) What do you know? (laughs) Uh, So we inter-refer all the time and I'll just say, hey, you're going to go get something from Dr. Phoebe that you're not going to get from me and she'll refer people to me and you're Mm going to get something from me you won't get from her. And, And we just have different gifts to offer, different things we bring to the table.
0: Again, super healthy. And sometimes it's not a personal issue if somebody says, I don't feel like I can help you. So I know you've had to do that. I've had to do that. Sometimes somebody will come to me and say, hey, can you help me? And there is one reason or another that I don't feel that I'm the right person. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to waste their time or energy coming to me um, if I'm not the right person. And that's not because I don't care about them or their problems or their issues. Sometimes it's because I care so much. I know who'd be I a better fit. Tools. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, again, that's just really healthy and really
1: kind. It's like, hey, I I think there's somebody that's going to work out better for you than me. And here's their number.
0: (laughs) So so I really am excited to be encouraging people that it's okay if you're in a difficult space uh, to get help and to find help and that there's lots of help out there. There are lots of people who really have the gifting and the calling and who are grounded in the word. To to bring that support and help. So what happens in that um, space when somebody's getting help, and then they feel like they're still not getting the breakthroughs, and they blame the person they work with, or they feel like they should just give up? What what counsel do you give them then? Oh, that's a kind of gotcha question, Esther.
1: That's oh, ar- I didn't mean it to be gotcha. <laughs> no, it's a it's a good question, and uh, I would say. So far, the, the, for me, relationship prayer almost always, it's not me. What I do with relationship prayer is it actually puts the person's hand in Jesus's hand and almost 100, I'd say 100% of the time they get a breakthrough. But if, if, if you're pursuing something with someone and you're not getting the breakthrough and you feel stuck, I would, I, would tell the, I would tell the practitioner or the person that you're working with, you don't feel like it's working. And a referral, and I would say for the practitioner or for the person, if if I see that the person's not getting the breakthrough, that I am not actually able to facilitate what they're looking for, I'm going to be the first person to say, "Hey, I have a suggestion. Why don't you give? Why don't you give this person a try?"
0: Mm-hmm. Which I think is so valuable to be really self-aware of how it's working for you. The other thing that I suggest is sometimes. You got to press in. It's not a magic uh, wand. You know, you may feel like I'm stuck. I've been here for three whole weeks. And it's an issue issue you've been dealing with for 30 years. Well, we say that a (laughs) lot is is you didn't get here overnight. So
1: it's not going to be fixed in in a couple of hours. We're talking about maybe even generational generational Generational. problems. So it's not going to be fixed overnight.
0: And so I, I think what we're saying is trust the process. Trust the process. And, and I tell people, you might have to live in the distress a little bit. A little bit it's longer. Be longer <laughs> a little bit longer. It's, but the distress of change is different than the distress you're used to, right? If you've been dealing with something for a long time, you're kind of used to that chaos. You might be at the end of it. You're tired of it. But there's a new distress when you've got to change, when something's been revealed, uh, when you're learning new things. It can be really yeah. challenging. Well, that's a
1: really good point. That's a really good point of of what, when we're saying it's lived out, it's walked out in the walkout. If I'm used to, I mean, i work with people for a long time that have a, like addiction to chaos, mm-hmm. because you're, you're people that become so, so accustomed to chaos that they'll, they'll call peace boredom. Right. And I'll say, let's replace being bored with peace and just look at peace as a baseline instead of abject chaos. That is this uh, cr- crazy spikes, crazy highs and crazy lows. So people that are used to chaos will actually cause it because the peace is so uncomfortable. The peace is uncomfortable because chaos has become the norm. So sometimes the transition from a a life of chaos can really be uncomfortable.
0: It can be so uncomfortable. (laughs) It reminds me a little bit. So I came from a background in media. And then when I was doing my training in emotional support, I had to learn to be comfortable with the silence. So (laughs) early on in my career, you know, dead air is bad bad air. (laughs) There's There's no no silence. silence. You fill every hole, right? Right. People don't like this big silence. And I became really comfortable. I lean into the silence. I will wait. It's okay. We can have a pause. We can have a pregnant pause if we have to. We can... You're um, making me uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) We can allow that space. That's where we actually are able to settle in, to hear the voice of the Lord, if we've been hearing Him, to pay attention to the voice of the Lord, to ask the next question, okay, so Lord, if that's what you're saying, what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, and, and I have learned in my own personal life that uh, I sometimes fill things with busyness, Right? I, I live in Southern California, man, it's easy to be busy, right? I raise two kids and you can put them in 17 activities at once <laughs> if you want. And you can feel very important if you're busy, right? right? It, it can give you that sense of importance. And frequently the Lord will bring me back to a time where I've got quiet and I've got space and I step away and that's where I hear from him. And now I've learned to know that if I'm too busy for too long, um, I feel disjointed now. And I think that that's a part of the, the process for people is that sometimes you got to lean into the uncomfortable a little bit, got to lean into the distress of it, be willing to grow, be willing to change. If you're stuck and you want to get to a new place, you're going to have to change to get there.
1: And change can feel really uncomfortable, even when it's changed for the good, yep. change for the better.
0: It can. And so it's a hard thing to tell somebody, I know you need healing. I know you want to get out of this pain, and you want to get past this. But I have to be honest with you, it's not going to be an easy process.
1: I think it was doesn't Brene Brown says lean into the discomfort. I think she does. Yeah. 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 So really, uh, she does some great stuff on power of vulnerability, and leaning into the discomfort. And sometimes that really is part of it. Like that becomes part of your process. If you become so uh, avoidance of anything that's uncomfortable, and you're always just like pressing, pressing, pressing to make it not be that way. Leaning into the discomfort; it's part of the process, and and hopefully you you trust your Holy Spirit navigator to help navigate with you through it. And very often, the discomfort it is part of the process,
0: mm-hmm. and very often change mm-hmm. is a part of the process. Yeah. At the at the end of the day, you will be a different person. And sometimes people say, "Well, I want to be healed." but he went to be the same person. And in my experience, and you're laughing, so I know I can see it and I can hear it. Um, There is no healing without a change, right? At the end of the day, we come out different, right? Our scars heal, but we are different. I look back and go, I am not the same person I was 20 years ago, I wouldn't want to pee. praise Jesus for yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Now there are days and times when I think I miss things about the nativity <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> before I knew what the challenge and the hurt and the work is, but I wouldn't go back. I, I, I just couldn't. And I wouldn't, but it does require change. And it, it's an honest process. And I tell people, if you are hoping somehow that in the healing process that you can hold on to everything and not change, you're going to be disappointed. Well, and I think a
1: good, a good part of that is to know there's just so many aspects of God of he gives and takes away and it's a holy exchange. And mm-hmm. I pray with people very often, they're holding on to something that has seemed like a life source, but is actually causing a lot of destruction and Jesus what does it look like when you come into that place and Jesus what is it what do you want to give them to replace that and Jesus even what would it look like if they let go of that and and mm-hmm. allowed you to hold them there so so for me it's oh, inviting Jesus into those places to facilitate the change and he can even show you what it looks like the you apart from whatever that is I know it might sound a little vague I could go into more detail, but hopefully you get, see that picture.
0: I really see that picture. And I know I, I spent a season where I was sort of feeling like I was on the edge of the cliff, like what's going to happen here. I was so challenged. I was so rocked and I had a friend and my friend just was flailing and thrashing emotionally and spiritually. And I didn't have any tools to help this friend. I knew that I wanted to hold on to God and my relationship with God. And I wanted to hold on to my family, the family I'd created, my covenant family, my husband and my yes. children, those things mattered. Mm-hmm. And everything else might have to be on the table. Right. And, and so I came at it and said, okay, Lord, I, I believe I, I entered into to this family and this is a good family. And, and I love my husband and my kids and, and I want to protect us and our relationships. But if I'm not careful... I could destroy all of that, or this the trauma that we were experiencing could destroy all of that. And uh, my friend was thrashing. And at the end of the day, my friend lost their faith and their family. And 10 years later, came back and said, you know, I'm trying to to find my way back to my faith. And the family's gone. The spouse had remarried and, and custody had been lost many years before. And I, I recognized how critical it was that for me, the only, I I had my priorities and, and these are the only things that Mm -hmm. are, that are not on the table, but everything else, my career might be on the table. My hobbies might be on the Mm -hmm. table. My other peripheral relationships are on the table. I, I just really need to allow the Lord to make that holy exchange. So even if I'm understanding you
1: right, you let go of that relationship in that time,
0: Well, so that person really was, um, we were just kind of parallel. (laughs) Our, the relationship wasn't one, one or the other. It was just a little bit of a, they were having a parallel experience. Okay. I get it. And, and then from, from reflection, I could see because they didn't want to let go of anything. They didn't want to let go of their control. Uh They didn't want to change. They didn't want to, they just were thrashing. And in the end they destroyed everything. Right. And they didn't really want to get real help that said, and, and I watched this friend get, try to get some help, but anytime the help said to them, you might have to let go of this behavior. You might have to let go of this pattern. You might have to change in this way. You might have right. to surrender okay, this to the it. Lord. They said, no, I'm not going to do that. They, they wanted that control. And um, and, and that just wasn't going to be a part. That so doesn't help when so by trying to hold on to that thing, she
1: ended up losing all of it anyway. Yeah. And I ask people in relationship prayer, kind of cool question when they can't let go of something is ask Jesus, what need is that meeting? Mm -hmm. What need is that meeting? It's probably trying to, it's probably meeting a legitimate need, but being met illegitimately. Right. So Jesus, what need is that meeting? And Jesus, how do you want to meet that need? Very often when they see how Jesus wants to meet it, it looks better.
0: It does. (laughs) And that's excellent. And and emotional management coaching, sometimes we'll talk about, where do you think you developed this? Mm -hmm. Like, was that a protective mechanism? And do we still need to protect for that? That's good. Right? Did we develop that as a pattern when we were 12? Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) That we don't need in our 40s? So I think that there's a lot of um, hope. Yes. In in the process of healing, right? Hope in healing. I love that. (laughs) And I think there's a lot of help in healing. And I really want to encourage the people who listen to us to seek help when they need it. Mm -hmm. Not to be shameful about it. Not to feel condemned because they need help but to consider that a beautiful part of the process we support you as you seek support we do and (laughs) we hope for everybody the continuing process of emotional and spiritual healing we know even as you're healing you get wounded again and you got to get some more healing so we just encourage people pursue it because it's so worth it so worth it
1: god bless you guys
0: god bless you Thank you for joining us for this episode of Life in Context, hosted by Jill Shankles and Esther DeWitt, edited and produced by BizFid Communications. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star review and follow us and like us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help. For more information on who we are and what we do,
1: you can follow Jill at jillshankles.com. That's Jill, S-H-A-N-K-L-E-S.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can follow Esther at peaceprof.com. That's peace, P R O F.com, and at peaceprof on Twitter and Facebook.